Grace and peace from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. How many of you here made New Year's resolutions? Anybody? We got one, two, we got like five brave souls, six that admitted it. That's more than first service. That was just me and someone else. I did. But why? The, the real question is not what ones did we make, but why do we make New Year's resolutions? You don't have to answer, don't worry. I'll tell you. We make New Year's resolutions, especially at the New Year, because it's a beginning, a new clean slate to start over, to see what we didn't like in our past, and to change it and make it new in the future, to have a new attitude about certain activities we do, or your life, or whatever it may be, whatever your resolution is, we make it because it's a new change. And we, in general, like new beginnings. We like new school years, new sports seasons, new years, birthdays, when a marriage starts, or whenever your new job starts, whatever it may be. Because they offer that hope, they offer that new attitude and outlook on life. And I don't think it's any coincidence that right after Jesus' birth is the story of the Magi, the wise men. Because it comes at a new new part in the story, a new beginning. So you had the whole beginning of the Bible up to the, the end of the Old Testament. Now you have the New Testament. And Jesus' birth is like the beginning of a new story. And so we have this new outlook of hope and change and future. And, and in 2016, 2,000 years later, there still are lessons for you and I to learn from these wise men, from this group of men traveling to visit a little baby. Let's listen to the opening verses of Matthew chapter 2. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea during the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, Where is the one who has been born King of the Jews? We saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. When King Herod heard this, he was disturbed and all Jerusalem with him. When he had called together all the people's chief priests and teachers of the law, he asked them where the Messiah was to be born. In Bethlehem of Judea, they replied, for this is what the prophet has written. But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For out of you will come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod called the Magi secretly and found out from them the exact time the star had appeared. He sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search carefully for the child. As soon as you find him, report to me, so that I too may go and worship him. After they had heard the king, they went on their way, and the star they had seen when it rose when it went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed. On coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him. Then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And having been warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their country by another route. This is the word of our Lord. When we hear this story, often one of the main questions we ask is, who were these wise men and why were they coming and why did they know what was going on? 
Well, if you think back in Jewish history, if you know Jewish history, there's a time where the Jews were exiled over to Babylon and Persia, the east. And that's all we know of about where the wise men came from, was from the east. And when you look back at those books of the Old Testament before Jesus came, in books especially like Daniel, and you see that these Jews who were in exile, they spoke openly about their faith. They spoke openly about that promised Messiah who was going to come and save them. And you can see from the stories in Daniel that even the Jews had influence over the kings, the king of Babylon, Nebuchadnezzar, and King Darius in Persia. And so it's no surprise now that they had shared their faith with others, that some people had believed it. And we can see why the wise men come, because we often wonder who and where, but that's not what we're told. We're told why. Listen to verse 2. Where is the one who has been born king of the Jews? We saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. The wise men came to worship Jesus. They knew that Jesus, this baby who had just been born, was something special, something different, something more than just an earthly king and an earthly baby because they were coming to worship him. And you don't worship a thing or a person. You save your worship for God alone. And so you can see their attitude about worship was different than what most people were thinking of that day. To them, worship wasn't an obligation. They had journeyed many miles and miles and miles to see this little baby. And they teach us still today that worship isn't an obligation. That it's not a set protocol of doing the right things. It's not a formality or an outward duty. It's not saying the right words or singing the right songs. Worship, at its essence, when you look at how the wise men worship, wise men worship, worship at its essence is a connection to God through faith. The wise men believed in those promises that this king of the Jews who had been born, this baby Jesus, was the promised Savior. And through faith, they were connected with God. And that is what filled them with joy. That is what filled their hearts and how they worshipped with their hearts. You can see later in verse 10 that when they saw the star, the star that was leading them to this baby Jesus, to their promised Savior, they were overjoyed. Their heart was filled up with joy and they just loved the fact that they could physically be near to their Savior and that they knew their Savior had come and been born into this world. But not everyone shared this same attitude that the wise men had. Think about King Herod. He said he wanted to come worship this baby Jesus. But before, you see that he was disturbed. And all Jerusalem, he was worried that this king of the Jews was coming to take over his throne and kick him out of the the kingdom. And so if you read on later in Matthew's account, later in chapter 2, you see that Herod had a plan to get rid of all the babies so that this king would never not come up again. And Herod's motives to worship, quote-unquote worship, was selfishness. 
And people still today, 2,000 years later, think they go to worship, but they're doing it for selfish reasons. There are still people today who come to worship, come to church on Sundays, because they don't want grandma to roll over in her tomb. People come and worship because it looks like the good and moral thing to do, so they want to feel good about themselves. People come to worship because, you know what, it makes me look good among my peers. And all those reasons are selfish. And all those reasons are not what we would call worshiping with the heart. And 2,000 years later, from these wise men, who worshiped with their heart, who showed that true attitude that and what fills your heart with and gives you that connection with God, faith in Jesus, still to this day, in 2016, in this new year, wise Christians still will worship the Lord Jesus Christ with their heart. And it's not when they go to church Sunday after Sunday. It's not singing the right melodies to the hymn. It's not praying the right prayers. But it's believing that Jesus came and is your promised Savior. That that baby Jesus was born King of the Jews, King of the universe, and has taken away all of your sins. Through faith, that's what connects you to God. That's what your heart worship is. And so let's go back to the wise men. Not only were they overjoyed with that baby newborn King of the world, King of the Jews, Jesus, but they also worshipped with their hands. They went to the, the house where the, Mary and Joseph were at and the baby. They bowed down and worshipped. And in their joy, they opened up treasures. Because their actions, this opening up of their treasures, treasures showed the joy that filled their heart. And so they offered him gold and incense, frankincense and myrrh. And their joy in their heart did not leave them with concerns about what they were giving to the Lord. They were just happy to share it. They weren't concerned about the time that they had taken out of their jobs and out of their lives to travel across countries and miles and miles and miles to give these three gifts just to leave. They weren't concerned about that. They weren't concerned about the amount of money they were giving away or the expenses and time and effort that it took to collect it all just to give it away. They weren't concerned about that. They weren't concerned about these stresses about the way back, about what they're going to have to say, about all these other things going on in this world that was trying to tempt them. They weren't concerned about that because they had the joy of Christ's life and forgiveness and His resurrection, promised resurrection, filling their hearts. And that teaches you and I still to this day lessons about worship. That we have treasures here in 2016 and plenty of opportunities that our Lord has given us to open our treasures before the Lord without concern or without worry. And so if your treasure is Christian patience that you have been given by the Lord, open that treasure up. For him to use. Maybe you have the treasure of Christian cheerfulness and kindness. Open that treasure up 
Maybe your treasure is generosity or administration or just time to volunteer. Bow before the Lord in joy and open that treasure up without concern or worry. And maybe you have the, the Christian treasure of comfort and sympathy, of encouragement during tough times. Whatever your treasure may be, know with joy in your heart through that connection that you have to God, your Savior, through faith, that you can open up treasure after treasure without concern or worry of what's going to happen to you, simply knowing that the Lord will use what you give Him. And as we worship with our hearts and our hands, let that be the motivation that you use. Let that joy of Christ, who He is, His life, how He lived perfectly, and His forgiveness of sin motivate you for worship and change the attitude of worship that you have in 2016. But let's go back to the wise men one last time. So they worshiped with their heart by being overjoyed and being trust, and trusting in those promises, and they were filled with those promises. They worshiped with their hands because your hands are quick to follow your heart. But they also did one more thing. After they were all said and done opening up their treasures, they went to bed, tired from travel, tired from seeing the Lord. And they had a dream where God came to them and said, don't go back to Herod because he's planning bad things. And what did the wise men do? In faith, they trusted God. They listened to what he said and they did what he said. They took another way home. And in 2016, 2,000 years later, how does that teach us lessons about worship? It's simple. Now, with our new hearts and our new lives in Christ, we can take new paths. We can change the way we go. And we don't have to go back to those old, sinful, familiar ways. And you know what your old, sinful ways are. You know which ways are most tempting to you. You know which old, familiar ways trick you and deceive you time and time again. You know which ways you actually enjoy going down without worrying about the consequence and even considering the consequence. But in 2016, God calls you to take a different path. And it, looking at those old ways and how hard they are to resist, you might say, well, that's near impossible. How can I do that? And God says to you, because Jesus is here, because Jesus was born, his forgiveness paid, his life paid for all your sins and have given you forgiveness. And so, if you've left your anger unchecked, take another path. If you've left your tongue untamed, take another path. If you've left, let sexual desire run rampant throughout your life, take another path. And if you've been spending money selfishly and using your relationship selfishly, this year take another path. Because Christ's love, 
Christ's life, his miraculous birth, his holy life, his atoning death, his powerful resurrection, his unfailing love, his saving power are all yours and your strength to take another path this year. Christ is both your guide and your strength as you walk down new paths of holy living and of worship here in 2016 and in the years and decades to come. 2016 is the beginning of this new year and it gives us ample opportunities to start over and to have new beginnings. It gives us a reason to make New Year's resolutions. This year in 2016, make that resolution to be filled with that joy that comes from trusting in God's Savior and to have that new outlook on worship. A time not only to be filled with joy, to open up treasures, but also to take another path. A time to worship like a wise man. Amen.